leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. As the value of the patient perspective gains greater recognition throughout the healthcare continuum, WeGo Health is seeking to both tap and provide that perspective to guide a range of clients within the world of healthcare. The company has amassed a network of more than 100,000 people that includes patients, caregivers, thought leaders, and influencers. We spoke to Jack Barrett, founder and CEO of WeGo, about the company the changing role of patients, and how the patient voice is being harnessed to transform healthcare today. Jack, thanks for joining us. Danny, good to be here. Thank you. We're going to talk about We Go Healthy, changing role of the patient voice in the healthcare arena, and how We Go works. Let's start with We Go itself. What exactly is We Go Health, and what do you do? Sure. Well, WeGo Health is, at its core, and most importantly, a, a member network of over 100,000 vetted what we call patient leaders. These are advocates, influencers, and even business experts, but who are at the core patients and caregivers who have become affected by health issues and are now leading, in many cases, tens of thousands of other patients. That network is one that goes to work with industry collaborating to provide things like insights from patient opinion leaders about should you build that app, pharma company, and, and what is really important to, to reach my community to launch a new drug, or if you're a digital health company, to help you promote your drug and get people to adopt your device and get people to adopt it in the, in the community. What's the business model here? Who's your client? Who pays for your services? Are you a consultancy, a, a marketing firm? I'm not quite clear. <laughs> it's a good question, and, and maybe we'll solve it on this podcast. The uh, positioning of WeGo Health. I, I look at it a little bit like you might think of a physician association. Um, we're a for-profit company, but our business model is is to provide insights, so you know, research, advisory boards, conversations with patient opinion leaders for money on behalf of our of our industry sponsors. Those folks are very often pharmaceutical companies, but also digital health companies, payers, providers, anyone who wants to hear the voice of a, of an opinion leading patient will help us to work with us to put together the folks who are really leading other communities to speak on their behalf. That's, that's, that's a, a, you know, half of our business model to oversimplify. The other part is, is social media marketing and activation. So obviously these people who lead communities are important influencers in the patient health space. So when one educates them and provides education that's actually valuable to them as influencers, they will share it with their communities, whether it's online or offline, through their own email list or through Facebook. They'll share that information that's valuable, trusted sharing, 
by a patient leader to the communities that follow them. So we get paid to do both of those things for, as I said, largely life sciences companies, but also increasingly by digital health companies and other players in healthcare. Prior to launching We Go Health, you worked at Yahoo. It was there that you say you discovered what you call patient leaders. Who are patient leaders and what did you discover about them at Yahoo? Sure, sure. Well, I enjoyed being at Yahoo at the, the turn of the millennium when it was still Yahoo was still the largest website in the world. That was, those were the, the halcyon days of Yahoo. And with 150 million unique users, I was lucky enough to step in and be a virtual publisher of sorts over the health space, working with um, the content folks to really rev up what was happening there. And, and at that time, it was about catching WebMD, right? WebMD was the number one health site. Yahoo was far larger as an overall consumer site, so why weren't we closer to them? And, and one of the things I became fascinated with was really the burgeoning field at that time of social media and, and peer-to-peer communications, conversations among consumers in health that were exploding in, in other parts of Yahoo that weren't called health, right? I was, you see, you know, health.yahoo.com was the, the classic encyclopedic content and a very good one, but not all that different from what other folks were doing. But what we had that no one else did was Yahoo Groups, for example, which was completely unstructured you know, rooms that people could set up discussions and discussion board kind of conversations, very early stage social media. And within those groups, there were thousands of leaders talking to thousands of other people on Yahoo for no money, just passionately discussing depression, heart disease, asthma, and helping each other organically to find resources, to find articles, to find doctors, to find medications, and doing it all out of the passion of helping each other. And that's that's the group that I saw and and became fascinated with. We were at the time we we're looking at it as this is amazing content that's so fresh and in real time to add to the health space at Yahoo, but I became interested in those leaders because they were they were driving conversation. They were passionate about helping other people, and I said, "These are the generals of the patient-centered revolution." So that was the the, the, the beginning of what's now the hundred thousand member WeGo Health Network. You talk about these patient leaders being the greatest untapped force for change in healthcare. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean they they're intrinsic passion to help as many other people as possible is something that you can't you can't teach you can't instruct so that that desire that they have to make sure that the patient voice is heard is as i say a, a chance for any organization whether for profit or nonprofit in the healthcare space to to genuinely collaborate with with patients and i and part of the reason i believe that the patient leaders are so important is that if folks have told me very openly that sometimes working with patients can be tough, right? Because you 12 hours of effort and planning, and then uh, in an hour you might get some good stuff there And in terms of collaboration because you know, many patients have don't have the expertise or the influence or the or even the experience working with other patients to speak on behalf of a, of a complicated health issue. But, but these patient leaders have educated themselves in many cases to the level of a nurse practitioner, if you want to use that analogy. And they can provide a collaborative force of patients you know, into the healthcare world, you know, working in side by side with industry leaders as peers to really make change. And that, that's what's different is to accept that not all patients are created equal. Let's find these folks who have self-taught and, and grown a, a trust with their communities as well as their knowledge and expertise so they can be, as you say, that, that, that change agent. WeGo's amassed a, a substantial patient network. 
how does someone become part of that network? Do you do anything to qualify the patients in the network? And, and what do you look for in the patients you include in your network? A great question. The, we, anyone can join We Go Health. We, you know, we provide podcasts talking about and, and um, Twitter chats talking about things like, you know, should you adopt Instagram as a tool to communicate with your community? But people tend to self-select toward our educational programs and tools. Um, because because they're leaders, right? We're not trying to educate people on the latest breakthrough in, in BRCA3 breast cancer treatment. We're talking about how do you handle death in your community, and which which goes across all therapeutic areas. So, we, we the way we attract people to We Go Health, we hope, is by providing valuable education to to community leaders and and who's, that speaks to their role as leaders. So people join, they register, they create an account like anyone else would, and and that begins the process of of our vetting of them. Um, and we, we vet them on three, three basic criteria. We're actually much more complex, but you know, one is certainly their their relevance to that to the health topic that they say is most important to them. So, if some someone might say, "Who's a top diabetes influencer right now?" If you went onto some of the classic influencer tracking platforms, it would be Oprah because she tweeted about diabetes once last week. <laughs> now, that's but of course that's not has nothing to do with who we really want to talk to as an opinion leader. So. We look at what percentage of their content is really about that topic. You know, how much time do they spend discussing it? What's their what's the response from their community to them to vet them as a true leader in that space and to verify that you know they're they're not an expert in twelve different things. They're an expert in in diabetes and perhaps hypertension, and that's that's their main focus. So that that's what we're best known for is having built um, technology as well as the, the the human connection with these folks allows us to vet their their relevance and their response in their network. And then. How exactly do these patients get used in your network? Do they provide a patient perspective to companies to inform product development? Do they provide market intelligence, promote products, lobby for policy positions? What's the range of things they're called on to do? Right. You named a, you named a few. That's, frankly, it's one of our positioning challenges as well. As we honestly believe there's not a stage in, a, in any company or product lifecycle they can't contribute to as as collaborators. So yes, and, and you know, if we use a pharmaceutical as an example, from early clinical trial design to protocol design once the trial is up and running, to recruitment for the trial, to um, support for patients who are within the trial to stay in the trial, patient leaders have a role you know, pre-commercial, um, then we do provide a lot of insight and support to, to design marketing messaging and educational materials, and they, they will, will help them to create those with a pharmaceutical company, for example, or to help that and curate the materials that they've developed as which ones are going to be most useful to a community. And, and how are they compensated? Is there a set fee? Is this something that's negotiated on a project-by-project project basis? Project-by-project, project, exactly. That we, we definitely, one of the things we've striven to do is, as, a, as an organization, part of our mission is to be sure that their value is recognized. So it, it can be somewhat surprising how many organizations you know, will will say, "Hey, you're you have someone with type one diabetes, and you're a leader online. You must be passionate enough to come to my headquarters for two days and talk to me about that." And oh, by the way, I'm going to I'll give you a hotel room and a dinner. <laughs> and that's these are people who may have jobs, but you know, we we believe that the value and experience they've got deserves compensation. So we're we're helping them to to know what their value is as patient opinion leaders, not just typical patients, and to be compensated for that time and their expertise. And, and, but to answer your question, it's project by project. You know, we, 
we, we have found folks, you know, homes as, as patient advocacy leads within organizations, but we're not a job matching company or we're a, we're a connector of groups of patient leaders to a particular um, issue, problem, or project. What are companies seeking from these relationships? And is there some case to make why this is preferential from, say, going to a, a patient advocacy group that specializes in a particular disease area? Uh, I, what, they're, what they're seeking is is the perspective of a, you know, a, I said, an opinion leader to speak on behalf of their community. I think that's what, when they come to us versus doing a you know, quant study of typical patients in the demographic you know, slice of the universe, they're, they're saying, we'd like to hear the, the, the real life issues that, that you as a, as a opinion leader have kind of boiled out of that ocean of uh, many millions of patient conversations and that you feel is important. So not technology, not not quant, but the, you know, what, what an expert observer can now say, this is, this is what really matters to my, to my community when it comes to you know, access to care, cost of care, or, or you know, staying, on, staying on medication or choosing a doctor. So that they're looking for that opinion leader perspective for sure. And I think what, um, and the relationship is, is interesting because it begins to resemble the relationship that many organizations have had with, with opinion leading physicians for a long, long time, right? And that's when someone asked me, in the hallway fast, what are you doing, Jackson? She left Yahoo a long time ago now, but I say we're doing, you know, you have KOLs. Oh, yeah. Well, we have, we have POLs, patient opinion leaders that you can engage with in all those same kinds of ways, and they will help you to promote your product as well. And that people kind of understand that idea that a patient opinion leader should be an ongoing um, collaborative part of your, of your organization from, from the get-go. And, and how do your clients interact with the patients in your network? Do you put together a list for them for a particular project, or do you have some sort of online directory that they access? Well, we we, we do have a, a a service that lets them look at people directly. We call we go how the experts, and and we're kind of we're trying to scale up how many people in our network can be easily available and ready to be hired. But what we found is that you know, it it takes some expertise to design the engagement. Right? You, you asked about a, a project or a an ongoing relationship. So if, we, if someone says, well, I'd like to talk to some patients for you know, for two hours about my, my brand launch, and we would say, well, what, what would you like to get from that conversation? And the, the answer is not always clear, and the type of people who should be in the conversation isn't always um, immediately obvious. So the short version is we would, we would talk to them and help to design the engagement, and then we would bring, in many cases, 12 or 15 patient leaders to the conversation, so there's a real mix of perspectives and points of view and design that engagement for them. So it, it, we, we act effectively as the, you know, the, the talent agency, but also the strategic consultant that says this is, this is how we can get the, the result that you'd like by, from this right group of people. There's starting to be growing concern about the way drug companies and patient advocates interact, particularly in the public policy and regulatory realms. There are concerns as companies pay advocacy groups or patients that they may act in the best interest of drug companies rather than in the interest of patients. Are these relationships transparent? Do members make clear they're being paid to do work on behalf of say a drug company or other client? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's, a, it's a really key point right now. And, and you asked a question earlier that gets to this as well, which is we, we tend to, bring folks into a conversation that may or may not work with a major advocacy group. So and I think this is where a lot of the questions that are being asked, whether they're valid or not, are 
you know, has a particular company given money to a particular group, and that group is now tainted, and versus having a having a more neutral Switzerland-like approach, which is let's look at as the you know, twelve or fifteen people, or even fifty people who are across a broader swath of the universe, rather than just you know, X number of dollars go to Y group, and, and there's an immediate outcome. So by broadening that and and recruiting people into a, a project, if you will, because of their expertise and and their their personal investment versus what organization they, they represent, we kind of fly above that a bit and help to bring together the, the, the advocacy world in a way that avoids politics, but also hopefully avoids that idea that we're, all, we're going to one, one place over and over again. And that, that can be very challenging because sometimes advocacy groups will say, look, you can work with us, but not those guys because we're all competing for funding. And that, that can be challenging for both sides. And so we bet Switzerland role has really helped us to be to bring organizations in touch with more different kinds of patients and more different kinds of advocacy groups. How do you see patients transforming healthcare? Earlier, you talked about harnessing the patient voice as a powerful force of change. What are they transforming it from and what are they transforming it to? Is there some WeGo vision of where healthcare is heading? What? That's a great. Wow, but that, that's a big question. We need another hour for podcast on that one. But that, I think that, <laughs> the, in in short, that the collaboration, the genuine peer-to-peer collaboration that I described earlier, is we believe is an accelerant for for cutting through some of the hairballs of healthcare. And yeah, a, an example is one of our advisors on the WeGo Health Patient Leader Advisory Board, which we we have a, a small group that we kind of spend extra time with, a lot of time with, to talk about our own company. Is, is Thatcher, Thatcher Hussein, um, and, and Thatcher is a coder by trade, that's her expertise, and a very good one, but she's also a type 1 diabetic, and she is part of a movement in Northern California that has created the open source artificial pancreas, and that, which, as you know, is probably a combination of a, of, of a insulin pump and a glucose monitor that, that is designed to be tuned perfectly to your personal um, need for insulin to make diabetes effectively, disappear because you've got a device that acts as a pancreas would. This is sounds like something that should already exist, but it doesn't because all the technology is kind of close. But Thatcher and her group just set out to say, we're going to build this open source because we're really good coders and we're hackers and we're going to take our existing devices and pull them apart. And they have succeeded to get ahead of any company in the space at this point. And yet they're offering their work as an open source to, to any company who wants to use it to take things forward. And I think that's a good example you know, in a, in a literal physical sense of how patients will help to hack healthcare in a, in a collaborative way and move industry forward faster because they're not really thinking about FDA even, you know, they're, they're not trying to market this. They're just, they're experimenting on their own time with their own skills and saying this is available to industry to use any way they want. I think that desire to, to move the ball forward and collaborate with, with the speed and the understanding that only a patient can bring along with their their business expertise, which is often underappreciated, is really going to be a driver of, of some big change. Jack Barrett, CEO and founder of WeGo Health. Jack, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much. It was fun. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, Subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.